Well, good morning to all of you. Welcome to Northridge. Uh, so glad to have you here today. Um, and I don't know what it is, but we're just pouring out the blessings because you didn't have to listen to me last week. And uh, this week you have to listen to me not very much. I mean, we're just, we're giving you lots of blessings here at Northridge the last couple of weeks. So glad to have you here. Um, for those of you who are here for the very first time, you've never been here before. You're our first time guest. Uh, we want you to just want to say a couple of things. First of all, uh, welcome. We, we want, we're glad that you're here. We know that it takes a uh, uh, some courage and a little bit of a risk to kind of go check out a new place, try out some new people, uh, you know, go to church in a village center, all those things. And so thank you for doing that, for taking that risk. Um, the second thing that we want you to know, and this is extremely important to us, uh, and we operate as much as we possibly can this way, that this is a safe place for you. Uh, no matter where you're at with God, you, you may be walking with God your whole life, it seems like, maybe from even as a little kid, or maybe you're just starting out, maybe you're just wrestling with where you're at with Jesus, maybe you just accepted Christ. Some of you, that's the case. Some of you have recently accepted Christ here at Northridge. Uh, maybe you're here, and, and I know that some of you are here, you're not sure what you believe, you're not sure where you're at with God, or where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. No matter where you're at, on that spectrum, we want you to know this is a safe place for you to be, to ask those hard questions, to ask, what does it look like to follow God? What is the Bible about? What, it, what does it mean, all this stuff? Why do we do this? Why do we sing these songs? All that kind of, any of those questions, this is a safe place for you to kind of dig in and, and find out what it means to follow Jesus on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Uh, and so that's what our heartbeat, 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 that's what came out. I, all of a sudden, I, I, I came from Alabama. Like, that's our heartbeat, man. I don't know why that is, but uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, but uh, we're, we're glad to have you here. I did live in North Carolina for four years. Maybe that's what it is. It just every now and then it peaks out. Um, but we are glad to have you here. So we're in the, in the midst of a, uh, a series called The Power of a Story. And, uh, and in this series, it's very simple. We are, are really just taking stories out of God's Word, stories out of the Bible, and we're unpacking major truth that comes out of that. But we're also sharing with you some personal stories, personal stories from people at Northridge, uh, and, and really sharing the ways that God has impacted their life in really amazing and powerful ways. And so uh, today is no different. We have another personal story. And, uh, and so many of you know uh, this person because you've met her here at Northridge, and, and she's going to be sharing a story. But we're going to do a little bit different than we did last week. Uh, I'm going to kind of interview her, and we're going to hear her story through that kind of a mode. Uh, so it's good to kind of change things up. And, uh, and so would you guys welcome Kathy Maxson. Kathy, why don't you come up here? So many of you know Kathy, um, and uh, and this is, I just wanted you to let, let you know this, uh, this is Kathy's first time. Uh, she has shared uh, a little part, a bit of her story on video for the at the women's retreat uh, a few years ago, and then la- uh, this last year, I guess kind of an update on That's where right. you're at. Yep. And um, but uh, let me just tell you guys, this is this is takes a lot of courage for her to do this, and I mean that. She's she's amazing that she's willing to do this, Kathy. You're amazing. Well, um, I couldn't do it without you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad to be here with you. Um, but uh, but she has an amazing story. And God has done some amazing things in her life, specifically over the last three years. Uh, and so we're going to kind of get that. But this is really the first time that she shared in front of people live 
really her entire story. You've shared with, pre, you know, uh, one-on-one and with groups and things like that. But this is the first time in front of a, a large group. And so uh, I'm just excited to have you, Kathy. So Thanks. thank you for thank doing you. this. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. So um, just to start things off, I know we've talked a little bit about, you know, kind of how to do this and everything. But um, start, you know, we know your name and we might know a few other things. But for the most part, we don't know kind of where you came from, where you born here, are you around. So kind of give us sure. an, a background on childhood, where you were born, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, I was born in uh, Madison, but grew up in Middleton, Wisconsin. Um, and I was the youngest of five kids. Um, and... There I am. <laughs> um, you know, a pretty fairly normal, average household you, from the outside. It, everything looked fairly, um, you know, like, like everybody else in the neighborhood. Um, but the, the reality of it was that my, my father was an alcoholic. Um, and he, you know, was, it, that came with many, many struggles, many, uh, many, Obstacles to kind of overcome when mm-hmm. you deal with um, somebody that um, is an alcoholic and uh, you're never quite sure if they're going to be around or not. Um, mm. And just the instability of it all. Um, so, you know, we, we did our best to, to, to make it work. My mom was amazing and she would, um, he, she'd take us to church on Sunday and she would, you know, do her best to try to keep the family together and um, kind of keep things rolling as what, best as she could. And she, she, she did an amazing job, but um, it, uh, you know, it, it ended up um, when I was 15, um, I, my father decided to, to leave us. I was the only one left at home still. Um, there was, you know, out of the five, I was the last kid at home and um, we, we ended up, you know, being on our own then. Um, and throughout that time, throughout my childhood, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, a lot of um, trouble um, sleeping at night and mm-hmm. a lot of stomach aches and those kinds of things that come along that um, present themselves in different ways. But it was definite anxiety through through that whole child, you know, years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was difficult. It was a, it was a tough time. Mm-hmm. So... so- so you kind of obviously at fifteen. I mean that's a that's a big thing. That's a tough that, tough time, that, right? To, yeah, I mean that's, that's a tough time anyway, yeah, right? I it mean is. honestly, I don't know if you've ever uh, met teenagers. You know, yeah. when I was a teenager, I met myself yeah. too, and I'm like, you know, wow, what am I doing? No, I'm just kidding. But but that's 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 a hard time because you're trying yeah. to find you know yourself and all those mm-hmm. things. So so take us from there. I mean, you know, dad takes off. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only is it a tough time because of that, but it is a tough time because your dad takes off. And right. so, so what happened after that and kind of leading up to, um, really where, where we're going to talk about kind of the Valley stuff. Sure. Sure. Um, I, my mom and I, you know, we, we became best friends, I want to say, because, you know, it was just her and I, and we, we really, uh, we bonded a lot and I, I went to work to help pay the bills and, you know, we did what we had to do to, to kind of make things work and, and, um, we got through fine. But, um, during that time, I feel like we, we kind of lost our faith. Um, and we stopped going to church. We stopped really, feeling that presence. You know, I was, I, I kind of wasn't sure what I believed in anymore. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those times when it was like, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I believe in this whole God thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> so, um, so we kind of stopped going to church, but we, you know, we managed to get through and, um, and then as I grew up, uh, graduated high school and went to, um, MATC for dental assisting and became a dental assistant and, 
uh, met somebody and, and got married and ended up having four amazing kids and, um, but during that whole time was still dealing with anxiety, anxiety, and the anxiety turned into depression, hmm. at which it normally does or very often does. Um, and then it was, um, you know, toward the, the middle years of my marriage and things started to kind of fall apart. Um, and I felt like drinking was a way of coping and dealing with the anxiety and the depression. Um, because I didn't get help like I should have probably, um, I didn't seek the proper, uh, avenues that I could have to, to, to help get me through it without turning to something like alcohol. But that was a natural reaction, obviously, because of, you know, growing up with my, my father being the way he was. So, Mm. um, I think that was kind of just my, my go-to. Um, and so we, you know, I, about, um, let's see, I want to think it was probably about toward the end of the marriage was, you know, we had been together about 20 years and it just, things just started falling apart and the, the drinking got worse and, um, and we just ended up deciding it wasn't, it wasn't going to work. Um, and so we ended up separating and, um, I think that's kind of where we, we come up to the the story of, of the accident. So, sure. So I know, uh, I think it was, Kathy, is this, uh, make sure that I'm right on this. I think it was at that time, about that time when you were separated and the divorce and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, um, that you really started to realize, okay, I, I think I need to find God again or try to do something different. Um, Alcohol was still very much a part of things, still the coping, um, but had kind of gotten into Northridge and and all that stuff. So is that right? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Right before, um, the summer before, uh, we separated, I knew something was missing and I knew it. it, I I just felt like this void. And Mm. so I decided, you know, it's, it's time to, it's time to find something bigger in my life and, and more meaningful than what was going on. Um, so I ended up coming to Northridge. My, my sister had started coming and so, so did my mom. And so I came with them and I really liked it. I mean, this, it was, it felt comfortable. It felt like a safe place. It felt like home and, um, and I, and I really did like it. But at that point, I think, you know, that was, like I said, the summer right before, um, things happened. And I think I was too far gone. I mean, I was, I was not, um, in the right frame of mind to kind of accept everything at that point. Um, so I didn't, um, I, I, I continued drinking and it was on a daily basis at that point. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of when things went south. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I had a Southern accent for, uh, you know, so oh, yeah. well, <laughs> apparently that's what we're doing. I could probably I, do that too. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, apparently I do. And I don't even know I'm doing that. So, um, so, so, uh, talking about going South in seriousness, yes. uh, sorry. Um, but t- take us to now the day when sure. kind of that Valley really hit home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, November 5th, 2013. So yes. uh, a little less than four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, take us through what was going on that day, sure. that night, and, and then just kind of walk us through, you know, what sure. happened there. 
Yep. Well, I had moved into an apartment um, uh, November 1st, actually. Um, and so the night of November 5th, uh, my sister came over and we were going to watch our favorite show on TV together. And um, we started drinking wine as normal because that's what we did. That's what I did. That's so we did it together. And um, we, she, we finished the, basically finished the wine. Um, very large bottle, mm. by the way. Um, and then um, she went home. And after that, I decided I wasn't done yet. So I got out the vodka mm-hmm. and um, I proceeded to, to drink alone and, um, and then decided for, for unknown reasons to get into the, to my car. Mm. And I don't remember getting into the car that night. Um, but that's, that's where it started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, It, uh, I ended up driving very, very fast into a, a tree, and uh, pretty much, yeah, there it is, <laughs> pretty much uh, smashed myself from head to toe. Um, it, was, it was critical. It was very critical. Uh, my injuries were, were pretty catastrophic at that point. I mean, it was... I got to meet the the first responders actually, and and when I got to meet them, they said uh, the one said to me, he said we weren't even sure if you were going to make it to the hospital. That's that's how how severe it was, um, which was which I didn't know, you know, I didn't know until later on, obviously, that it was that bad. Um, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was life changing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Sure. So um, I know, and I'll, I'll fill in a little bit of from my side real yes. quick here. Yeah. Um, I was I happened to be out of town uh, when this happened, and uh, and so we had just started to get to know you. you just started coming to Northridge, and and so uh, I got a call, and uh, and I was out of town as I said, and and uh, and so then I called uh, Marie, I, I believe. Um, uh, or somebody called Marie. <laughs> I honestly don't remember, but we got a hold of Marie Langtag, and uh, and she went there. and And honestly, at that point, you're right with the, what the paramedic said. I know the first time that Marie was there, and then when I was there the first time at the hospital, and we were there with the family, and I met many of you for the first time. Kathy's family is here, um, and and I know that we were just praying that you would make it. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, they told my family, you know, we're just trying to keep her alive. We are just trying to keep her alive for, you know, so it was, yep, it was. uh, So, so take us through with, uh, you know, after, so you're in the hospital, obviously they, they took you to the hospital and the paramedics are sharing this with you afterwards. You knew that, found all Mm -hmm. this stuff afterwards because you don't remember a lot of that. Um, so what was, um, maybe what was the first thing that you remember after the accident, you're in mm-hmm. the hospital now, and just kind of walk us through some of those days and weeks there in the hospital, because I know that that was there were some struggles there, and just kind of tell, maybe tell us some of the some of the injuries and things that you were dealing with, and sure. and family and all that stuff. Sure, I uh, my first memory of uh, in the ER was waking up, and my husband and my mom were standing over me, and they told me that I had been in a, a, a severe car accident, and um, but that you know I was I was going to be okay. They were going to fix me up, and and obviously, at that point, I, I didn't know, you know, the extent of my injuries, but yet I, right. I didn't feel any pain. I, w- I wasn't afraid. 
um, which is pretty amazing at that point. And to, and to be coherent enough to say to them and to have my first words be, did I hurt anybody else? Because I knew that I had been drinking. I knew that this was bad because if I had killed somebody else or hurt somebody else, I mean, that would have been, you know, (laughs) even more life changing at that point. Um, so that was, that was my first question. And I remembered them, you know, saying, no, it was just you. Um, and I was so relieved. (laughs) I just, you know, kind of was in a state of complete relief. And I just, um, then, then I don't remember anything after that. I just, you know, lost consciousness probably shortly after that. But, um, my injuries then, um, uh, were, I'll start from the top and work my way down (laughs) the easiest that way. Um, I had a concussion. Hmm. I had, uh, broken ribs on my left side. I had, uh, three vertebrae that were, uh, damaged. So I had rods and screws in my spine. Hmm. I, um, lacerated my liver. I, my bladder burst. So we had to have my bladder repaired. Um, I had a, a, uh, compound fracture in my right arm. I had I broke my left foot and I broke my or a compound fracture on my right leg with 13 centimeters of bone that was just missing. It was just shattered. Um, so at that point, that was um, the worst of it. Um, I ended up after being in the hospital for a few days. I think it was then my my lung collapsed. Um, so that was, that was another thing I had to deal with. I had to have, uh, um, tubes put into my lungs. Um, mm. and, uh, it was, you know, just extreme, uh, pain and, and just not even being aware half the time of what was really going on. Right. Um, I dealt with a lot of hallucinations from the medicines that they were giving me to the point where um, they even had to tell one of the nurses she couldn't she couldn't be my nurse anymore because I thought she was trying to kill me. Mm. Um, so it was that severe that you know your your brain was you know I mean it it does silly things of course when you're when you're on medicine and and then there were other things that the girls my my girls still laugh about how I was trying to pet a kitten and I was trying to pet a, a horse or something because, you know, I'm, you know, animals are a big part of my life. So it was, sure. you know, silly things like that. But, um, we didn't tell you we brought all kinds of cats. Oh, in I there. wish. I mean, yeah. I mean, they were everywhere. There was like 30. I don't, uh, we didn't tell you therapy that. Therapy animals. I, yeah. Yes. Therapy animals. That would have been great. Right. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a time mm. in the hospital. The first 10 days, I don't really remember even a sure. whole lot. Um, because they did keep me pretty much sedated because of the injuries, because of the amount of, um, just the amount of pain I would have been in had I been conscious enough to, you know, really know what was going on. So, um, but you know, it's just a lot of, uh, a lot of healing, a lot of surgeries. I don't even know how many surgeries I had. Um, I, it was, (laughs) it was many, many, um, throughout the, the next, you know, three weeks, um, I was in the in the uh, trauma center at the UW, and then uh, from the trauma center, then they they took me by ambulance to um, 
the nursing home. I actually went to the Wanakee Manor for two months okay. um, and spent time there, and that's um, where I did a lot of because they were done with surgeries, but they just needed – I couldn't go home, obviously. I mean, I wasn't well enough to go home, so I needed to be basically just, you know, taken care of 24-7. I couldn't do anything on my own. Right. Um, the only thing that was, that was uh, uh, available to me was my left hand. Everything else was completely damaged. Um, and so I, it, you know, I couldn't even sit up by myself. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was basically uh, bedridden for, for, oh gosh, it was almost two months, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then toward the end of my stay in the manor, um, you know, then I was able to start finally getting up and doing some things, right. you know, on my own. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and if, I mean, can, I mean, all those things, that's, that's overwhelming, right? I mean, just all the, uh, the injuries and all the stuff that you had to deal with. Um, but we also talked about, I know, you know, there's, there's the overall valley right. that you were going through. This is rough, the whole thing. But then there's the valley within the valley, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's this other valley that's a part of the valley, and, uh, and that was with your leg. Uh, yes. You know, and you were talking about the manor, and you, you had a lot of recovery time there. Um, just talk to us about a little bit of the difficulty of the leg and the decision that you had to make there mm-hmm. and, and why you made that and, you know, kind of what you had to do with that. Sure. I, uh, was told in the hospital, um, shortly after the accident happened, actually, that my, um, by my surgeon, he said, um, you need to, he said, your, your right leg is damaged very, very badly. He said, um, we need to make some decisions. Um, we can either amputate. <clears throat> below the knee, and you'll be up and walking within eight weeks um, with a prosthesis, or he said we can try to save the leg. He said there's a you know large piece missing. He said we can, um, you know, we can try to save it. It's going to be long and difficult. It's going to be painful. <laughs> um, but he said there's a really good chance that we can keep it. Um, and so I remember just, it, it wasn't even really a, a question at that moment whether or not to save it. I knew when I, you know, I said, I'm, I, I don't want to lose my leg. You know, that was just, yeah. that was it. I don't want to lose my leg. Yeah. So um, I said, let's, let's save it. Let's try. Um, if there's any chance we can keep it, let's, let's do it. So um, ended up going through um, multiple more surgeries on the leg. Obviously, uh, had the frame um, in place. I had that frame in place um, for almost 20 months. Um, did not come off. It was permanent for those 20 months. Um, so, as you can imagine, the struggles that I um, dealt with, um, you'd see me howling into church. Um, <laughs> or in the wheelchair. Um, I spent time in the wheelchair. I t- spent time on crutches. Um, you know, all those kinds of things with that. But, um, Mm. so that was, that was a huge decision that I, that I also, um, kind of waffled back and forth with, you know, I struggled with it throughout because, um, it was so difficult and there were Mm. days that I just said, please just cut my leg off. You know, I couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, just get rid of it. (laughs) But, um, but now Mm. obviously coming as far as I have and, being where I am now, I'm I'm very grateful that I that yeah. I saved it. Yeah. So, and that's uh, that was one of those hard decisions that you know you knew that 
you could, you know, they could take the leg and you could be walking very quickly yes. or <clears throat> you could still, I mean, even now, still working through the mm. rehab, even now yeah. with that, uh, even three years later. Um, but you, you chose to do that. And then obviously I know we've walked through that and been praying for mm-hmm. you as you've gone through that. So um, just take us um, that time at the Wanaki Manor. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. So um, you're still on some pain meds and everything, but you're very coherent. You know what's mm-hmm. going on. It's really just all about now turning to the rehab and just getting yourself back to where you can, you know, function normally and, mm-hmm. and be able to be on your own and do all the things you need to do. Um, Kathy, you've shared with me that was that was the time where you really started to experience God's presence. That's yes. that's where you really started to kind of get this sense, okay, God is with me. He's, mm-hmm. he, he has done this. Uh, he's saved me for a reason because mm-hmm. obviously you survived and we've thanked God for that many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, but talk a little bit about, you know, kind of that time and, and how God got you through that. Sure. Sure. I, that is exactly right. I, when I was in the manor is when I felt, um, the most strong, the strongest presence of God. And, and I felt like, um, he did save me for a reason, and the reason being was that he knew <laughs> that something catastrophic had to happen to stop my behavior, and he knew that nothing else would have done it, you know. Um, it, it had to be big, otherwise I wasn't going to stop drinking, because um, it was such a big part of my life. But... <clears throat> But he was there with me the whole time. And I remember just being in the in the manor and just feeling just this sense of peace and this presence that, you know, I had never really felt before. You know, it was it was definitely a a time of of just being quiet and listening and 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 talking to God but being quiet and just letting him take over because there was nothing I could do. It was it was in his hands, you know. I mean, I knew, mm-hmm. I knew they had done the doctors had done everything they could do. They, you know, they fixed my body um, as much as they could. Mm-hmm. But it was time for God to do the healing from the inside, you know. Sure. And He was there. He was there with me. He was He was present. He was surrounding me. And uh, I could tell that that I was going to make it because mm. of that. Mm. And I knew I had to let things go. You know, mm. I had to let a lot of um, just everyday things go. And I had to put it in his hand and just say, you know what, I take this. Because I can't do it. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. do it by myself. Um, my body was too damaged, you know. I needed... And my and my my mind was too damaged, you know, emotionally. And and I said, I just need you to do this. I need you to take this, and mm. I need you to just take over right now, mm. you know. And yeah. so that was a huge part, I think, of just releasing things to God and just saying, okay, it's this is for you. <laughs> yeah. You need to you need to t- help me through this. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and isn't I I I hadn't thought about this actually until till now as you share that just yeah. hearing you share that for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> um isn't that true of all of us though? Really? That whether it's something catastrophic or not doesn't it come down to God says, "I need you just to release this." Mm. 
you know? I need you just to give this to me. Yeah. Let me work. Let me work. Absolutely. Stop trying so hard to figure it out on your own. You're not, you don't have to be by yourself on this. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you started to sense that. So mm-hmm. um, just real quick, you, you shared, uh, this is the first time also that you had shared this with mm-hmm. me, and I thought this was amazing. There's a reading that, that really hit you hard but also helped you. Uh, and boy, these, these would not only be tough words in a valley. So if any of you are in a valley, this is, this is, these are tough words, but they're good, yeah. encouraging words. So this is, uh, I think this is really, this is Jesus talking. This is you. Jesus talking. Yes. I, I was given this book while I was recovering, um, from a good friend of mine and it's called Jesus Calling. And it's just, um, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it or heard it. Um, but it's just daily, basically daily readings. And this one came by, um, well, February 16th was the date, um, and it, so it's kind of funny. It's almost, you know, February 16th now, but, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but it's, um, it's one that, that hit me really hard and, and, and helped me remember and think about what I should be focusing on, um, mm-hmm. and to get through what I was, what I was dealing with at the time. So sure. I'd like to go ahead and read it. Okay. Thank me for the conditions that are requiring you to be still. Do not spoil these quiet hours by wishing them away, waiting impatiently to be active again. Some of the greatest works in my kingdom have been done from sick beds and prison cells. Instead of resenting the limitations of a weakened body, search for my way in the midst of these very circumstances. Limitations can be liberating when, you, when your strongest desire is living close to me. Quietness and trust enhance your awareness of my presence with you. Do not despise these simple ways of serving me. Although you feel cut off from the activity of the world, your quiet trust makes a powerful statement in spiritual realms. My strength and power show themselves most effectively in weakness. Hmm. So, yeah, that was that was huge for me to to read and to absorb and just and because i was living it Mm. you know every day so right that's i don't know about you but even reading that those words for me um man i could just feel the gravity of that but i think what hit me most kathy is when you sent that to me and said hey this is one of those things that got me through um and i read that and i and i really i don't know that (laughs) i'm not normally this insightful (laughs) uh let me just be that's honest but I tried to put myself in your place reading that. And it was just, uh, you know, I, it kind of it kind of broke me a little bit, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, as I read and just thought, you know, this is Jesus talking to you at that moment. Somebody else wrote mm-hmm. that, but Jesus, these are words for you on that day. Yeah. <clears throat> and saying, I know you want out of this, but look at this side of it. Mm-hmm. I'm here with you. Let's build a foundation of trust mm-hmm. right now. And then you're going to see amazing things after after this valley. Absolutely, and and be quiet and listen, and use that time to 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 listen and and not like it says, be wishing away the time because I did. Believe me, there were times I was like, I can't, you know, I can't wait for next year or next month or next whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. to to just sit back and be patient, um, and to listen to what what he's doing through you is huge. And speaking of 
you know, be patient. Yes. <laughs> well, what are some um, What are some things you mentioned? Uh, several things, and I haven't even heard all of these. But um, just just share with us, maybe out of this valley, um, what are some lessons that you learned, or just just briefly, um, or what what did you learn about God um, through this valley? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess a few of the the big things were um, humility, um, because you know being in a place where you can't do anything on your own. I mean, you, you, you literally have to have everyone around you do everything for you. Um, you it makes you very humble, and mm-hmm. it makes you very appreciative of, um, of those people in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, also, patience, <laughs> huge. I mean, I, I didn't know how patient of a person I could be until I had mm-hmm. to wait for years for this to heal and to, uh, mm. to get to where I am now, um, nearly, you know, over three years later. So, um, and also, um, just empathy, um, to, to people who go through things. I, I feel like just as uh, such a, such a stronger awareness mm. of, um, being, empathetic to people, it, not, not judging people right away. If, if you see something, you know, that you don't think is quite right, well, you don't know what they're going through <laughs> mm-hmm. because not everybody can see like the, the thing on my leg, everybody could see that. And that was pretty obvious, but people go through things all the time that you can't see. So to try to be empathetic to them and say, you know, it's, everybody goes through stuff and we, we need to we need to just take time to to mm. just realize that you know we we shouldn't judge and we shouldn't mm. um, you know yeah. and also just um trusting god i I felt like throughout this there were so many times that I would question whether or not things were going to work out mm. and i I found that if I just trusted in God and if I just let him do his work things every did turn out everything has turned out you know every maybe not when i wanted it to which right. is the patience thing but um <laughs> but it was definitely um it, it definitely did work out things things mm-hmm. happened because mm-hmm. there was that trusting god that he was going to take care of things for me so Absolutely. yeah well and i hadn't heard what you uh you say that before also with the empathy thing i think many times god puts people in our paths and we have no idea why. But a lot of time, what, what we can trust, what we know, is God knows why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even though we don't see all of us, we don't admit it, but all of us are hurting in some way. We all are scared of something. We all have something that we're mm-hmm. frustrated about, that we're worried about, that we have anxiety about. Guys, we don't usually admit that, but we do, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and so God is there to say, hey, here's somebody that can trust me. He, he can help or she can help mm-hmm. and to, to have that empathy. And I, I appreciate you sharing those lessons. So, um, Kathy, you, um, uh, I want to kind of wrap up with this, kind of finish this up. And um, you shared with me a phrase a couple of times. And when I shared it with you, I kind of, I got it wrong. And I apologize. <laughs> I, okay. I was telling her, hey, I've heard you say this. And she's like, well, this is kind of what I said, actually. Okay, good. 
Again, it's just me. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, so uh, sorry about that. No, but, quite so, right. so you, you can tell them the real version. But, but what is, and I've heard you say this to several other people as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's always struck me when you've, when you've told other people this. So if you would just, just quickly share that, that phrase that you've said to other people and, and why you say that. Sure, sure. I, um, I've said from the beginning and through this all that I would not change what happened to me. I would not, if I could, go back and take it all away because <laughs> it is what has made me, first of all, stop drinking. Yeah. It's brought me closer to my family, and it has made me who I am today, which is a much stronger person, a much more faith-filled person, um, and just a better person all in all. So hmm. I wouldn't change it. Hmm. I'd go through it all again. Hmm. Can we give Kathy a hand, <laughs> I think, for sharing? <laughs> um, so she's going to hang out here for just a second. Um, I just want to wrap up with a couple of thoughts. Um, you know, this is... Why it's so important, Kathy, and I, I so appreciate, I know I say thank you, but I really appreciate hearing a story and your story, Kathy, because we talk about trusting in God all the time. We talk about having faith. We talk about living according to what's in this book, right? And, and this is why, because we know that the best life Possible. You know, one of our mottos at Northridge is live full of life. We believe that the fullest life, to live full of life, is to live with Jesus, with Christ, at the center of your life. And, and so, Kathy, you, you've shared that and how God is taking you through that journey. Required this, this valley, maybe, mm-hmm. but, but you've gone through that. And so, uh, I wanted to just read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It goes, as I was praying through this and kind of wondering... Uh, it goes perfectly with Kathy's story. And this is what it says. It says, just listen to the words. We don't have them on the screen. It just says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will. Seek God's will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. So there's a couple of things that I want to wrap up here before we get to our final song. If you're here and you're in a valley. My guess is there's a good portion of us in here that are in a valley of some kind. In fact, some of you I know you're in a valley because we've talked or we've prayed together. But a lot of you I don't know if you're in a valley. So if you're in a valley, I want to do a couple of things for you this morning. First, I want you to know that God is absolutely with you. Kathy can attest to that. If you want to ask her even more in depth about that, I'm sure she'd be glad to tell you. But God is with you. He promises. He does not promise that we won't go through valleys, but he promises he will always be there for us and with us. But then the second thing that I want to do, and I I can't think of any other better way to finish, is I want to pray for you directly. Okay? Um, And so uh, in a moment, I'm going to do that. But before, I wanted to, uh, we're going to sing a song here in just a minute. And I wanted to just 
read just not all, but some of the lyrics, because this song that we're about to sing was actually written at a time when the artist who sings it was going through a major valley in her life as well. And so the words of this song come out of her heart where she was actually in the valley when she was recording this song. And so I would just want to share some of the some of the lyrics of that. It kind of goes along with what Kathy shared with uh, the Jesus words to her. Um, in fact, would you do something for me? Would you just close your eyes and think about these words? If you're looking around, it's hard to listen. Let's just listen to these words. Letting go of every single dream, I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my wandering never changes what you see. I've tried to win this war, I confess. My hands are weary. I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight, no matter what I face, you're by my side. You are my strength and comfort. You are my steady hand. You are my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Your ways are always higher. Your plans are always good. There's not a place where I'll go. You've not already stood. And then the ultimate line, I will trust in you. Isn't that good? So here's what I want to ask you to do. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to pray. But here's what I want you to do. If you are in a valley, if you're in a valley, every eye closed, heads bowed. If you're in a valley, would you just do this for me? Would you just raise your hand so I can see you? Just keep it up for a minute because I want to make sure that I see you. There's a lot of hands up. Okay, thank you. You can put them down. Let me pray for you. Lord, for everyone who raised their hand, Lord, I pray that you would be very, very near to them. I don't know what valley they're going through, but you do. And so I pray that that you would help each one. And God, if there's somebody here that didn't raise their hand, but they are going through a valley, they just couldn't bring themselves to do it, I pray for them as well. But anyone in here who's going through that valley, I pray that you would help them to know, not that they would just believe, but that you would help them experience and know and feel your presence in their life, even right now, God. May your spirit just minister to them. May your spirit guide and direct them. And may you give them strength, strength that they didn't know that they had, strength that they need to get through this valley, whatever it is. And may you help them to face it, not with arrogance, but with confidence. God, not with arrogance, but with confidence because you are there with them, that you, maybe you're walking with them, maybe you're even carrying them and they didn't even know that. God, may you help them to realize that. And God, may you help them to see that, that there is an end to this valley and that you're gonna be faithful to walk through them, through it with them, but also that there is an end and that you are with them always. 
to the very, very end. God, we acknowledge your presence in our life. We thank you for being here with us today. I thank you for Kathy sharing her story. Now, as we sing this song, may we just honor you and may we listen to these words and may we just make this our prayer to you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.